0: What is good, ladies and gentlemen, friends and foes? Welcome to another episode of Bird Protocol. And um, today we're doing another new segment that we are uh, calling Winging It with the Bird Boys. Uh, you might be thinking, come on, dudes. We want the old bird protocol back. Well, I promise you we're cooking up something heavy for our next episode slash episodes. Uh, and, uh, and we, we want to keep celebrating passing 100 episodes by introducing another um, kind of segmented uh, episode. So today we will be answering a set of three random questions on four captivating topics, film, TV, music, and video games. Uh, with the goal of leaving no stone unturned and no question unanswered. We're going to share our unfiltered thoughts, opinions, and maybe even run into a few surprises along the way. But this episode is all about winging it. No scripts, no rehearsals, just our unfiltered thoughts on the uh, questions that we'll be posing. We'll be exploring the silver screen, dissecting the latest TV shows, getting lost in the rhythm of music, and diving deep into the virtual worlds of gaming, based on what we like and what we think. With each question, we'll be taking off on a spontaneous adventure, bringing you our raw, unscripted reactions and suggestions, and just generally having a bit more of a focused lazy bird. That's kind of the idea on it. Maybe later down the line, we might have some top five episodes, we might have some guests on, but we'll be expanding out the winging it style. This is just the first episode. Uh, So whether you're a cinephile, TV addict, musician, or music enthusiast, or a gamer at heart, there's going to be something for everyone on this episode and on the Winging It episodes. Uh, Hopefully you walk away with some new stuff to check out, maybe some suggestions or things you want to revisit after we uh, kind of put our degrees to use and our tastes, our, our palate, I guess. Anyway, I'm everyone's big homie, Palm Reader, and as usual, I'm joined by my fellow bird boy, Otis Morris. Otis, how's it hanging? Are you excited to try out this winging it with the Bird Boys style episode? Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to wing it. I mean, I love wings. I love chicken wings. Uh, I like wings and things. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I'd see because you sent me the questions already. So, like, we're not, it's not fully, you know, blind because I don't want to sit here and just be like, oh, uh, I want to have some answers prepared although I didn't I didn't sit at like and give it too much thought. I was just kind of like, okay, here are my definite answers that I definitely would say like right off the cuff. And then, you know, there might be some others that, you know, while talking, I might stuff might pop in my head. There might be stuff that you say that, you know, then you know anyway but so yeah i'm excited to go through these uh questions and see uh where it goes because who knows maybe it might just take us off into some realm that we haven't been to before or i don't know yeah i mean it's gonna be be, uh,
0: you did did totally like destroy the illusion there by saying
1: that (laughs) we looked at
0: i sent you the the uh questions but i did only send him to him last night and and it was a cursory look this is very much improv- improvisational um but for the first episode uh and and just in general we don't want to be sitting around going uh uh mm, uh and since it's the first one there's a little bit of uh you know we're figuring this out so uh as we yeah. as we develop uh we'll figure out more ways to kind of um incentivize uh kind of immediate reactions and improv Mm -hmm. improv answers. But for this one, we did, uh, we did uh, share the questions, but we didn't discuss them. We've had no discussion, discussion on these. Mm -hmm. I just sent them to him and was like, this is what I'm going to ask. And we're going to talk about it. Um, and so, so it is really our, our our kind of raw, immediate thoughts and unfiltered conversation on Mm -hmm. these questions. Um, so let's get right into it I guess. Let's uh let's let's jump into the film portion of uh this okay. episode. So the first question I I posed was um who are some of your favorite film directors currently working and what makes their work stand out? Uh do you have a, an immediate answer? I mean I know I have one for me um but Yeah.
1: Because, uh, yeah, like my immediate answer currently is always Paul Thomas Anderson. That's always my dude, been my guy, never done anything bad ever. Everything he's done is amazing. Um, or, you know, even perhaps better than amazing in some cases. In a lot of cases, actually. Uh, But then, uh, you know, I tried to... And then I actually tried to think of some others. Like, because, you know, I've talked about Paul Thomas Anderson so many times. We have yet to even do an episode about him. But yet, I've figured out ways to shoehorn talking about him into multitude of episodes. So, I figured uh, I'd rather talk about film... More current filmmakers. uh, People that have been, you know, uh, more active in, I guess, the past 10, 15 years. Um... And, you know, a lot of them are probably some, like, generic picks of, like, A24-type movie stuff. But And, in fact, actually, all of them have a movie on A24. So, Hmm. that's the type of shit that I just realized that now. Uh, So, first one uh, that I really like that we've talked about, again, a lot uh, previously, uh, Sean Baker. Um, I just really like his style of how he uh, captures sort of, like, slice-of-life stuff and sort of… I don't know the sort of lower class of America, but like, you know, it's not like he does, his movies aren't like sad in like ways. Like, you know how, when movies are just being sad for the sake of being sad, his movies have a lot of humanity uh, behind them and they're very good. Like, uh, you know, Florida project, obviously red rocket was fantastic. And then even like tangerine starlet, uh, there's, yeah, he's just got a lot of great movies. Um, And then my other favorite current, uh, the Safty brothers, uh, Josh and Benny. You know, they made Uncut Gems, Good Time. And then even one of their earlier films that I've watched recently, uh, Daddy Long Legs is also pretty good. And even though it's very clearly on a much lower budget, it sort of still retains the high anxiety uh, craziness that uh, if you've seen their films that you've uh, probably I've come to like. Um, uh, bu, 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 bu. And then, you know, the other three we kind of talked about uh, a lot recently Ari Oster, uh, Robert Eggers, Ty West. Uh, yeah, I really like what they're doing with horror. Um, yep. And yeah, and then um, my other current favorite that popped in my head uh, when we were talking about this and this is a director I've been watching a lot of movies by uh, even before I watched his most recent. Uh, Paul Schrader. Um, I just love Paul Schrader. As I talked about last episode, I just love Paul Schrader stuff. Like even his more obscure stuff like autofocus uh, is fantastic. Uh, um, there's so many, but yeah, his recent movies are great, but like, you know, he's just constantly been making great moves, whether he's just been writing or directing uh, yeah. he's a legend. Really. And,
0: and to be like in his seventies and experiencing this kind of resurgence with the, yeah the lone man trilogy or whatever it's called you know first reformed uh, yeah. card counter and now um the
1: master gardener
0: master that's what it's called yeah. um uh which i haven't seen that one but i have seen the other two and they're excellent mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah i mean many of those are on my list as well um obviously recently i've kind of because of our sicario episode i've dived back into uh Denis Villeneuve's uh body of work. I mm. uh, rewatched Arrival, rewatched Sicario obviously, uh rewatched yeah. Prisoners, uh rewatched Blade Runner, um 2049 and um excellent. Uh, like probably one of as far as like um kind of visual language and style um top you know in the top uh uh uh, also uh, ari aster obviously um and Mm -hmm. uh, robert eggers which you mentioned both um really really kind of incredible stylistic directors for different reasons um robert eggers is kind of bombastic with his choices like the lighthouse the witch Mm -hmm. um even the northman it's they're all Mm -hmm. very 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 much uh, um, visual in a way that's kind of, yeah, like more bombastic, more, more, uh, uh, he's not afraid to go there. Whereas Ari Aster, although I haven't seen Bo is afraid and I'm sure that that's kind of like a visual. Whoa. Yeah. But with him, it's more, it's about, it's more about creating like these like human dread moments. And tension mm-hmm. in a different way, but they're both kind of on the same wavelength, but it's using kind of visual and cinematic language differently. Like, if you compare something like Midsummer to The Lighthouse, those are both movies that will mess with your mind and make you feel weird, mm-hmm. but done differently, you know? Yeah. The Lighthouse Absolutely. pays homage to a lot of like older kind of painters and things like that, whereas you know the the and it's very dark chiaroscuro like very very high contrast shot in black and white like moment like weird stuff visually that's but you also with Ariaster have that weird stuff visually with the kind of um mm, uh like the mushroom stuff and the the big Mm -hmm. rituals and all that. And it's all very bright and all very like in your face and the old people fall off the cliff and then the guy's head just blows up and you're like watching it. Yeah, It's, you know, it's very similar, but very different. They're doing it through their own voice. And I, I love both of them. Ty West also very great. Um, Somebody that I did want to mention uh, also is um, now there's two of them that I really like uh they're both they're both gareth's um but gareth oh yeah uh gareth edwards who directed monsters yep. godzilla rogue one and uh soon to come the creator uh just as far as like a sci-fi film ma- like sci-fi film director um mm-hmm. all of those movies kind of slap like i haven't seen the creator yeah. yet so i don't know but monsters the 2014 godzilla and rogue one are all like bangers so um
1: Uh, yeah that godzilla is so good that's uh definitely one of the best godzilla movies just in general it's just one of the best godzilla movies ever uh
0: and then of course there is the other gareth gareth uh gareth evans who did the raid the raid 2 morantu apostle and the upcoming havoc film um Mm -hmm. and uh he's just he's another guy who's just going going all out with, with his kind of stylistic choices and the things that he's doing and the choices that he's making. So like, I appreciate both of them for different reasons. Um, Gareth Edwards is more kind of cognizant of like science fiction tropes. Whereas Gareth Mm. Evans uh, is more kind of balls to the wall action horror. Um, But still, I mean, Apostle is very much like a psychological thing horror film um anyway yeah. both of them are great all of the all of the all of the directors that we've mentioned and of course everybody else that's out there working right now there's tons and tons of great great filmmakers Um, uh, but yeah those are just some people that came up when i asked the question i don't know do you have any other thoughts
1: um no no there's others that i'm going to talk about but then it also that ties into the other question the following oh
0: all right so So. we'll just get to the next uh the next question it has question has changed slightly since i sent it to you but what are some much watch must watch foreign language films and or foreign cinemas that someone who's interested in uh in film in general should check out um so why don't you answer your your answer and then i'll answer mine
1: okay uh, so three, uh, actually that kind of works is that also ties into just general world cinemas that I like. Uh, so first one, um, I guess this kind of covers multiple languages cause this man speaks multiple languages. Uh, Michael Haneke, uh, is one of my favorites, uh, for various, various reasons, uh, just his camera choices, uh, his, the bleakness of his stories, his... Uh, the way he portrays violence as you know in various different ways like you see it all throughout his uh, career Um, so it's like earliest ones the like seventh continent or benny's video and then my personal favorite funny games uh you can either watch the german or the english version and then you know the piano teacher which then i think that's in french and then uh you know then he remade. Uh, funny games in English. If you don't like subtitles, there he went and remade the whole movie just for you, just for, for your stupid head. He went and did it. Um, so yeah, I love Michael Haneke, but yeah, he has some movies in German, some in French. Uh, great, yeah, and uh, yeah, and then Amour or uh, Amour. I forget how. I don't know how you pronounce that word, but it's uh, also a great movie. Um, uh, so that's you know, French and German cinema, uh, kind of, that kind of comes out of that, uh, that new extremism from, like, the 90s, where you got, like, Haneke, uh, Gasper Noe, uh, uh, there's other directors, Leos Kyrax. uh, yeah, there's a bunch of other people in there that I guess are part of that, I don't know, like, Lars von Trier and stuff, but then he's also part of, like, a whole bunch of other different movements that happened in the 90s and whatnot in Europe. Um, Other foreign language stuff and just cinema, world cinema. I like uh, Swedish cinema uh, specifically, and specifically Ruben Östlund's, who did um, recently did Triangle of Sadness, but uh, his other movies, all of them slap. uh,
0: I'm just butting in to say if you haven't checked out the his other films, um, which are
1: are now the Force Majeure, Force Majeure, and and the Square. The Square, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Both of them are excellent, and you should check them out. They were on my list, too. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah. If you're in, like, uh, you know, people have been really into, like, satires of, like, the super rich, like, you know, Glass Onion, really big, um, that fucking... The menu was really big. And if you kind of like that sort of stuff that, you know, is smart, funny, and, you know, stylish as well, uh, definitely look at his movies for sure. Um, like, I guess, you know, Triangle of Sadness was in English, but, you know, I think it also had some four-language stuff in there. But, uh, yeah, watch his movies. And just the Swedish ge- uh, movies in general, like… Uh, um. Like Roy Anderson movies are fantastic. I mean, and then you know, if you want to go back to, uh, like you know, uh, Ingmar Bergman movies are the greatest movies ever. Like Persona, Seventh Seal. Uh, and then there's even some like cool stuff. Uh, what's the Wolf one? I think it's like called like Night of the Wolf or something. Uh, but yeah, they're all those ones are all like crazy psychological, like I don't know, dramas, existentialism. I don't, fantastic and then last just sort of favorite also i think just one of my favorite uh, world cinemas uh, out there uh just uh korean film i love korean film um yeah can i take so can, I, can
0: i take it and run with it here because this was my main yeah yeah point. yeah yeah. 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 for right. sure yeah okay go ahead yeah so i just um uh uh great great suggestions uh ruben ausland fantastic um, and, uh, you know, Korean film, if you haven't had a chance to really dig in to Korean film, one thing you're going to find the further back you go, you're going to find a lot of films that, uh, huge Hollywood films are based on, mm-hmm. uh, Reservoir Dogs, um, The Departed, uh, um, well, The Departed was, uh, I think Hong Kong, but the, the, there's yes, a huge sure. field of, and Hong Kong cinema is also awesome. Like, I would say any yep. Asian cinema, Chinese cinema, um, um, uh, South Korean cinema, and Japanese cinema. Like, if if you're looking yeah. for a place where you can go and it will feel familiar but also kind of different to start as a jumping point, it, like, the kind of Pan-Asian cinemas from that region are a great place. But South Korea mm-hmm. especially... I mean, I love Japanese film. I love Chinese film. I love South Korean yes. film. Um, but you have directors like park chan wook who who yep. made uh um some of the most iconic uh of films that that you know that have become hugely uh influential over here um
1: uh yeah, that got did old boy and stuff, yeah right? old boy um'm
0: yeah. just trying to see there's old boy uh and Snowpiercer. Lady vengeance yeah um just a lot of stuff that well that,
1: Snowpiercer was Bong Jun-ho. Um
0: it? I think he worked on it? uh no he I think he worked on uh it was directed, uh, but he he worked on it um as well. Okay. Um but yeah Bong Bong Jun Ho is another one that has has obviously Oscar winning for Parasite, um uh with with um Snowpiercer as well, Oakja. Uh, the the Snowpiercer TV show, the host. Um, there's also some other films in general. Like I could list off a bunch of stuff, but like I saw the Devil, um, you know, just like it. it the list is extensive, and and I don't. We don't want to wax wax, you know, pathetic here and just go through all these names. Yeah. Um, but South Korean uh film, uh South Korean television. Mm-hmm um south korean like even the zombie movies from south korea train to busan is a slapper that movie goes stupid hard um is that south korean
1: yes it is yeah okay i don't know why i thought that was like taiwanese or something i don't know i don't know my asian cities but uh psychokinesis
0: um, is another one that's really good um
1: a tale of two sisters yep um Um, yeah a whole, there's a whole bunch of south korean horror films that are unreal absolutely oh yeah i uh, didn't even yeah. get and into a lot and a lot of them have been like uh adapted adapted to american and english movies but uh yeah no if you're into like crazy crazy horror movies south korea is a good place to check out
0: korea. yeah and on netflix they have the show the kingdom which is a zombie show set in ancient korea which is wild um The Wailing uh, is another wild um wild drama oh, <laughs> horror yeah. thing. Yeah. Um yeah, there's a lot of cool yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff in, in South Korea. Um and a lot of stuff that is kind of pushes the envelope for <laughs> like old boy. Um who yeah, the 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 final reveal of that movie is would it's I'm very surprised that they didn't change it for the Spike Lee remake I mean they did change it slightly but the main crux of it you know uh him forcing him to have sex with his own daughter sorry spoilers mm-hmm. um that's that's the kind of thing that that Korean film kind of was getting away with for a long time like films like I saw the devil too which is gnarly um Mm -hmm. It's it's South Korea is a great place. They've got all kinds of stuff. They've got all kinds of genres. They've got family drama stuff too, much like Japan and China. And I mean, you go back to to, if you want to get deep into like Japanese like family drama, go revisit some Ozu films. You know? Oh yeah, like
1: there's a fan some fantastic ones. Yeah, my personal go to is Good Morning. Oh, the movie Good Morning by Ozu great one it's just a fun family comedy and just lots of poop jokes which I learned about that movie from uh, like a Michael Sarah Criterion closet video which Damn. yeah and it's the movie's awesome check it out um,
0: yeah it's uh, uh, um, there's some real good stuff in Asian cinema and that's that was the whole point of mm-hmm. it the other film that I just wanted to bring up because it's absolutely insane um is a French film called uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf, um, and and French director Luc Besson, um, just kind of like the the very gaudy, kind of French, uh, mode of of filmmaking. Like Brotherhood of the Wolf is one of the wildest films ever mm-hmm. because it's just like yeah. halfway through, suddenly there are French wolf killing ninjas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it starts the first half as like a is like a medieval drama, and then all of a sudden there's these dudes in red trench coats that are just like flipping around. <laughs> and it becomes this like crazy, bombastic like action horror movie. It's so wild. And then, of course, Luc Besson, you know, fifth element, um
1: Yeah,
0: all and Lucy and French all of though. those. And going, you can go way back, you know, Leon the Professional and all that stuff. And those are all done in hollywood but you know he has a large extensive filmography some good some not so good <laughs> but um mm-hmm. it's a very very french way about his filmmaking style and the choices he makes um anything else or should we move to the next one
1: uh just one that actually just re- that just popped in my head i don't know why but i was just thinking another classic filmmaker a uh, spanish filmmaker uh you know King of Surrealism, uh, Luis Buñuel. I don't know. For some reason, just the, for some reason, the discreet charm of the Bourgeoisie just popped into my head, which, you know, also, I guess that maybe it's because I was just thinking about Ruben Olsen again. And, you know, so, you know, Luis Buñuel and his par- like sort of parodies and uh, commentaries on like, you know, upper class stuff and rich people. Um, yeah, if you want to watch his stuff, like his last three movies are kind of all touch upon that sort of stuff. And just, yeah, if you like, beautiful shot movies and want to look up something old uh look up uh Luis buñuel well oh some are in spanish some are in english some are in french it's all over the place too
0: and i just remembered one more that i wanted to shout out it's from last year uh directed by Romain gavras uh it's a film called athena it's available on netflix it's a banger um and it's very very prescient and 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 kind of it's a commentary on Things that are happening in France, but things that are also happening in other parts of the world—poverty, uh, um, kind of radical radicalization, um, and and people being tired of of being kind of forced into living into living a life of poverty and crime and all this stuff—and it's it's very very and it's really well shot. I, I said it on this episode that the the uh, kind of intro thing where it's this one long shot and they raid the police station and they steal a truck and the camera moves around outside the truck and goes in the truck and it follows them. This whole escape thing leading to them going to the the kind of projects that they live in is crazy. It's like nuts. Uh, so it's, it's really good. It's another uh, French film. Um, and uh, if you're interested, I would, ch- I would definitely check it out just v- because visually it's, looks awesome it's crazy um but it was a good film as well um so the next question i have is um what are some thought-provoking documentaries and how have they influenced your perspectives on real world issues uh do you have any answers for that any thoughts
1: um i have well i've particularly i have two favorite documentarians um one Alex Gibney, who did the uh, the Enron documentary, which is fantastic. Uh, uh, Taxi to the Dark Side. Uh, he also did recently did the Crime of the Century, which is all about like the opioid crisis and you know the Sacklers and fentanyl and all that stuff. Um, so his yeah his uh, documentaries are always fantastic, and they kind of touch on topics that I typically like. Um, Where, you know, it's kind of like weird, Uh, I guess, I don't know, where it's about sort of like grifters and like crime in areas that you don't necessarily like think of when you think of crime. Like it's not like big old mafia stuff and like you really over the top stuff. It's kind of stuff that's just kind of hidden in plain sight sort of thing and um yeah, like there's one movie he did called Citizen K, which is about a um uh fuck. Uh forgetting all the words here. Uh blah, blah, blah. uh so anyway, some some rich Russian guy and uh that decided to turn on uh on Putin. And so uh yeah, and then you know Putin threw him in jail, obviously. But uh yeah, it's a good movie. Um I uh I, I yeah, check it out. I, I can't really describe it right now. The words are not coming to my head. Um, another one, another uh, guy kind of opposite in which his all his movies are about like ridiculous over the top people in real life. Um, just one of the best uh, documentarians recently, uh, Billy Corbin. Um if He did uh, Cocaine Cowboys, which is huge and very influential in just, you know, my general topics of things I enjoy watching. Um He also did the 30 for 30 on the U on Miami Univ- University of Miami and how they're all the students are fucking crazy and just fucked up and on drugs. And then he did the movie Screwball, which it was all about like the A-Rod A- and like the whole steroid scandal in... MLB and how that was actually like spearheaded by these fucking idiots in Florida that like owned a tanning salon. It's basically uh fucking what's that? uh What's that Michael Bay movie with all oh, the um, balls with the rock
0: and uh, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: That movie. Oh my God. But it's basically like that, but like the true version of that, even though I'm pretty sure that movie is also based on a true story, but uh. Yeah, but in that one, Billy Corbin does a cool thing where he gets all of, like all the reenactments are acted out by children because it just kind of lends way to how ridiculous and you know insane the situation is. Um another favorite uh film uh documentarian, uh Joe Berlinger. He did the whole par- Paradise Lost on the uh like the West Memphis so he did that whole HBO series about them where he followed them as like you know they were in jail and whatnot he also did the Metallica some kind of monster documentary which is just fantastic just if you're interested in a band just like falling apart and yeah making horrible music because you know the St. (laughs) Anger album is pretty bad specifically the snare
0: whatever was going on with the
1: snare there sucks (laughs) But, uh, yeah, Some Kind of Monster, fantastic movie.
0: <laughs> um, sorry. Just every time I think about it, I remember years and years ago when I was in high school and St. Anger came out. And I remember we went to my friend's house and he was a huge Metallica fan. He started listening to it. And he's like, did they record this in a tin can? Like, what's wrong? Yeah, <laughs> He's so mad yeah, about it. Yeah, they did. Um, all right. Well, I got a couple. Um, if you're into film. Oh, oh sorry. Go ahead.
1: It just Yeah, and then he also did the Ceso Hotel documentary, which I think is an incredibly misunderstood documentary because it's actually making fun of Web Sleuths and people that get way too into true crime. And I think a lot of people did not get that reading in that movie. And then also, if you feel like ruining everyone's life, uh, just show them Dear Zachary, and I will not tell you anything more about that movie. Just watch it.
0: Right. Okay. Well... <laughs> um I, if you're into film a uh, great documentary that came out uh, a couple of years ago in 2019 Memory the Origins of Alien uh really really dives deep into kind of the making of that film how it came about and also set design and all the stuff it's really cool um and uh, and also talks a lot about Ridley Scott uh and and um H R Geiger and, and and everybody who was involved in it it's directed by Alexandra O'Philippe Uh, and, um, it's, it's good. It's a good time. Uh, if you, if you're into, to film and also if you like the alien franchise, very much, uh, enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, another recent film that I really thought, um, kind of honored the legacy of someone who passed, it was road runner, the film about Anthony Bourdain's life and his, um, you know, suicide, and uh, and everything that was going on around that and everything that he was going through. And as somebody who very much uh, found some kind of, there's a, somebody's mowing their lawn outside. Somebody's mowing. Um, yeah, I just um, heard that. Huh. Yeah, unfor- unfortunately, there's nothing I can do about that because their window is closed and you can still hear it. So, um, but yeah, Roadrunner uh, Anthony Bourdain was somebody that I, um, not necessarily the cook side of him, but everything that he did on television. Uh, and I did read his books um, and I found his writing to be quite um, quite interesting and, and really good, but more so his kind of ethos that he had later in life uh, when he was doing the TV shows about, you know, experiencing other cultures and how kind of. Mm-hmm. Food and, and socializing was a great unifier and, um, you know, traveling was important and um, just his own and, and kind of documents his own battles with uh, uh, addiction and and mental health. And, um, you know, it it's just a really, really good kind of look back on somebody you may have thought about one way and it might change your mind a little bit about about who he was and his impact and how big it was. Um there was a music documentary. Oh, no, here's another one. Um, my Octopus Teacher. I know, I know, it's a it's a documentary about a man who finds an octopus and hangs out with it for a while, but you'll cry. It's really good. And I watched it, and I was like, I don't think I'm going to be into this. And at the end, both my mom and I were there just, oh, my God, the octopus. Um, so, you know, if you're in for something that's really heartwarming and kind of existential and also has some beautiful underwater shots, and also teaches you a lot about octopus, octopi. Um, they it's a it's a really, really uh, uh fantastic um and a little bit more lighthearted uh and emotional documentary if you don't want to watch some true crime stuff. Um They Shall Not Grow Old, Peter Jackson's uh World War II documentary, um quite mm. uh quite moving uh and uh, was kind of make you feel much like uh any of the colored ken burns stuff it'll make Mm. kind of show you make you see something in a different way it's a lot of um uh kind of restored and uh and colored uh, photography and film from that time uh and it kind of seeing these videos of people going to war in color and it, it it makes it seem a little bit more immediate uh and it's also just um I think it's important that people know about what happened. So, you know, I highly recommend checking it out. Um, it's a little tough at times, but yeah. Jiro uh, Dreams of mm-hmm. Sushi, another film that I absolutely love. One of my favorite documentaries of all time, uh, directed by David Gelb. It's about a man named Jiro who is an 85-year-old sushi master and owner of a a Michelin three star sushi restaurant in an airport or a subway station. One of the two anyway, Uh super interesting. And it shows the kind of like, not only does it open your mind to the world of, of what being a sushi master is and what sushi and sashimi is like at its core, but he's also just such an inspiring figure. I mean, he's, (laughs) he's just, all about it like that's his life and it's so interesting and and kind of fun and uh and really really cool to watch and of course one Mm -hmm. more that we did on the show uh grizzly man um yeah
1: uh ever since any Werner Herzog ones are really good like that or into the abyss or uh what's the one uh my friend my best friend which is actually about how much him and like Klaus Kinski like hate each other even though well they're great friends cuz they worked each, with each other multiple times but it's very uh strenuous relationship i would say
0: yeah um i yeah but specifically grizzly man after we did the episode on it it's it's stuck with me for a long time and i've rewatched it since and it's like uh as an older you know, as someone having originally seen it years and years and years ago um, and then kind of revisiting now in my thirties you kind of see a lot more that was, you may have missed. And it's a very stirring and moving and upsetting documentary, but Mm -hmm. it's so masterfully done, like so masterfully done as a documentary. Um, that's, that's all for that. I don't want to go up. We're not going to drag it on or try and keep it short. Let's get to the video games. So what multiplayer video games have provided the most memorable gaming sessions with friends?
1: Uh, you want me to start?
0: I mean, I can throw something out. I think that if we're talking all time memorable, there's a few that Mm -hmm. can, that can rank up there, uh, uh, for a lot of people. Obviously mm-hmm. Mario Kart and Smash Brothers, like a lot of any of the games that the IPs that have kind of lasted from the uh N64 onwards, yeah. Um, you know, um did I say Microsoft? I meant Nintendo. Why am I thinking Microsoft? No. Uh, uh, um <laughs> but Nintendo. Yes, Nintendo. Yeah. Did I say Microsoft? Am I having a stroke? I don't, I don't know. know. I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe I just thought Microsoft for some reason. Um the yeah, Nintendo has always fostered this kind of like they have always been committed to the idea of games that can be played together in a room, which is why I think the weed uh, um and the uh, Switch and all of their kind of consoles have done so well because they didn't turn their back on gaming in the same room and like split screen mm-hmm. and all that stuff where a lot of the other systems have uh and you know you can't really play a lot of split screen games on a ps5 or group yeah. games on a ps5 whereas nintendo that's kind of their bread and butter um yeah. and so those i can't tell you how many times in my life i've played Uh. uh Super Smash Brothers or or Mario Kart. I mean, I'm I'm going over to Otis's house tonight, Party. and we're probably going to play Mario Mm -hmm. Kart for a
1: bit. So you know, Um,
0: Um, yeah, yeah, there might be some
1: new levels that I haven't uh, played yet. I, I don't remember the last time they unlocked really some new levels. There might be some new maps out there, but also. Mario Party is another mm-hmm, one. Like mm-hmm. as a kid, like on the N64 and the uh, GameCube versions, those games absolutely slapped. Like the first five Mario Parties, all go dumb, stupid. They're all excellent, and I will, uh, I'll fight some people in those games. Like you know, that one will break. Like if you steal one of my stars, that is a uh, you know, that's going to carry over into real life. I'm going to carry that hatred towards you. Um, So yeah, if you want to get real serious, we'll play some Mario party, but yeah. uh, Continue. Sorry.
0: Oh yeah. And then on the other hand, you have a lot of games uh, kind of, um, of course, halo, just general first Mm -hmm. person shooter games that, that were super popular, certain call of duty games, halo games, etc cetera, etc cetera. there are missions maps um and and kind of game modes that have become iconic uh and memorable um you know black ops two the 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 yacht uh and mm-hmm. and you know zombies and all of the different game modes and types i really enjoy um uh uh or have enjoyed those and i think those brought about a lot of really memorable gaming sessions with friends um And, uh, you know, right now we play a lot of Rocket League and simple games like that have actually taken a really strong hold on things you can play online with people, Fall Guys, Rocket League, a lot of the Epic Games stuff, even Fortnite to a degree. I think those have all become kind of uh, uh, memorable as well. Plus, you know, you've got a lot of the MMO games um, that were, I mean, they're still big, but there was a period of time where MMO, like online RPGs were huge. Uh and I'm sure there are plenty of people that would probably uh you know come and show up with pitchforks and uh torches if we neglected to mention things like World of Warcraft and stuff like that. Um yeah. and uh I I yeah, I mean I think that oh of course, also Red Dead Online or Grand Theft Auto Online. Mm-hmm. That's another one, right? These are huge huge juggernauts of online multiplayer. Um but when I think truly back on my life and i think about the times that i've i've had kind of like real memorable gaming sessions with friends in the room it's always been nintendo so i don't know that's my thought what do you think
1: Well, I remember playing a lot of Halo 3 and Halo Breach. Those are big online ones. But also Halo 3, I'm pretty sure, yeah, you could do split-screen co-op for the campaign. So that was tight. So I definitely played a lot of that as, like, a teenager. And then Gears of War, uh, oh, yeah, first Gears two games. Because yeah, yeah. those ones, you could do split-screen as well. and. Especially uh, like online, those games were sick. Uh, those games absolutely ripped uh, a lot of fond memories playing those games. Um, also, a uh, big one for me uh, was just a big party game as well with my friends in high school. Like, we often get very drunk uh, and uh, play Guitar Hero. That was oh, a yeah, big, yeah, yeah, big yeah. move, dude. Guitar Hero at the party was. Amazing. Uh, I have a very fond memory of watching Steve um, trying to play a game. Uh, or what was he trying to play? He was trying to play My Curse by Killswitch Engage on Guitar Hero. But he was so drunk. And he was just looking at the wrong side of the screen the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just playing it wrong. Because like he was on like Medium and I was on like Expert. And he was just, like trying to play my version. And he's like… Yo, what the fuck, man? Why is this so hard? This is a medium. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Shit, it was funny. Uh, big moments. Uh, like that. Um, yeah, Mario Kart. All generations of Mario Kart. Like, I mean, that's constantly has been throughout my life. Like, as a kid, it was Mario Kart '64. As a teenager, it was Mario Kart Double Dash. In university, it was Mario Kart Wii. Now it's Mario Kart 8. Like, Mario Kart's just always been there. Um, uh, what are other ones? Uh, StarCraft played some StarCraft. Uh, yeah, no multiplayer games, and like, especially now, like, don't really do many multiplayer games outside of you know, Rocket League and Battlefield, in which like I'm not very good at either. So um, I mean, in high school, I was really good at battlefield. One of us, the bad company games. I'd love those, uh, battlefield, battlefield, bad company too. That was like one of my, uh, big multiplayer games. Uh, yeah.
0: Battlefield uh, yeah. would also be on my list. Okay. What's the next one here? Um, yeah. let's fire these ones off quickly because you know, people can just go play them. What are some of your favorite immersive yeah. video game worlds and what's make what makes them so captivating? Um, I would say probably the most immersive video game world that I've played for me is red dead Two. I think that that Mm -hmm. when you really, really get into it and start paying attention to it, the weather system, the animals, the various things that you can do, the um, various types of missions you can run, the uh, uh, you can customize your character in so many different ways. The, poker the um I, i'm sure i just said fishing already but the fishing the yeah. the the moonshine shacks yeah. the, everything and and then the fact that it runs on a real enclosed ecosystem like it's pretty close to the matrix mm-hmm. you know you you, yeah. you can go and find animals and 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 make take them to skins to the trapper and make clothes like it's just it's super, super engrossing, especially when you take a minute and you step back and look at the map is very big. There's all different types of ecosystems and, and landscapes, and it's kind of beautiful. And, you know, like it's, it's, it's a real banger for me. So that's what I, I could say hundreds of more, but anything that works yeah. in that way, like anything that's really thoughtful about it, you know, even to, to a degree, cyberpunk, um, things we've mm-hmm. talked about on the, those are two things we've talked about on the podcast, but really good world building and, and kind of uh, in game immersive world that uh, mm-hmm. uh, another one, a recent one that I think is even though the, the enemy types are somewhat recycled uh, just the world itself and the actual school Hogwarts legacy um Mm-hmm. Is very much like it draws you into that world and you feel like you're actually there. And uh, and so that's what like a stamp to me is like you feel like you're actually there, and you feel like there are things that you can find around every corner and you can see you know. That's the kind of stuff I like. So those are some examples. I could go back to old games too, you know, like when I was com- when I was growing up, the, the Elder Scrolls games are a great example of that. Yeah. Um, or you know even games like i remember i was absolutely enamored with the world of fable you know like uh fable I the, was tight yeah. fable was tight um but now i think w- the reason why i'm focusing on more modern stuff is cuz now we're really at a point where it's like we're getting to that thing where it's like an encapsulated world like it's like a matrix that uh-huh. you enter so a lot of the stuff yeah. that are coming out recently even things like the last of us or um horizon zero dawn and forbidden west like a lot of thought is being put into building out those those kind of immersive worlds, and I love it. So uh, those are some examples. Yeah. I don't know.
1: I Yeah, those all fantastic ones. I mean, Bread of Redemption was at the top of my list. So yeah, absolutely back everything you said on that. Um, ones that... So I was trying to think of ones that build out great worlds that aren't necessarily, you know, huge worlds. Like they're not RPG level Big huge level worlds that you can go anywhere and have, you know, entirely different ecosystems and stuff. But uh something like all the uh the Batman, the Arkham Asylum, mm-hmm. Arkham City, mm-hmm.
0: uh
1: even Spider man all
0: spy the Spider-Man one too. There's the Spider-Man yeah. game did that that kind mm-hmm. of it's a smaller map, but it feels alive. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It feels, yeah.
1: Like Batman Arkham Asylum is so great because, you know, it has, you feel like you're at Arkham Asylum and there's all these, it includes so much background lore and, like, some stuff, like, isn't so explicit. And so, like, if, you know, if you're a huge Batman fan, there's, like, a bunch of different Easter eggs and things like that that you can find. And then, you know, just the way that they uh, their, you know, how they did the enemies and how... You know, just how they built it out the world and how you can explore. It's just, yeah, it's very cool. I mean, those games are kind of like they're 10 years old now. But, like, they kind of really also influence, like, a lot of how games, like, build their worlds out now. Um, Another personal favorite, um, just all of them in general, uh, just the God of War series, uh, you know, the old Greek ones, the way they incorporated all the different Greek mythology and their you know, in the locations and their enemies and, you know, just all the way and then now doing it with uh, Norse mythology and uh, yeah, it's just great and, you know, those are games that, you know, I constantly just want to go back and explore and then um Recent more and then in horror games, uh dead space, you know I've talked about that a bunch uh the world and that one's very it's awesome and you know how it gets the how it creates like the tight quarter atmosphere and you feel like something's around every corner and yeah, it's great and then you know obviously the, the, you know that one't exists without Resident Evil. so all recent Resident Evil games, all the remakes and then you know seven and village all of them are fantastic and they're all creepy and evil in their own unique ways. That's what I love about resident evil is that it keeps switching it up.
0: (laughs) And speaking of, of horror games, um, Mm -hmm. creating a great world. Uh, now this is not necessarily creating, but expanding upon kind of a, uh, a visual language and design language that was created in the original films, but alien isolation I mean, if you're talking about creating a horror atmosphere, walking down a corridor in that game scares the life out of you.
1: Absolutely. like Nothing
0: nothing could be around you and you're just like, this is terrifying. Um, Yeah, and then there was another one that I was thinking of. Oh, and uh, you know, um, also to some degree, Assassin's Creed. Um, Yeah, some are some are uh, better than others but um you know there are some games that really uh you know they did kind of recreate that time and I, and and I remember seeing some videos or watching people play I haven't played a lot of them myself but thinking mm-hmm. cool like this is really cool but i mean i guess really what we're asking is the ones that that are so what makes them so captivating is I guess a thoughtfulness put into creating something that is whether it's open world or whether it's an enclosed space that is well thought out and well designed and well, and has layers to it that you can peel back and, you know, good use of lighting, good use of mapping and, and, and design. And um, you know, you can play a game where it looks good, but it's pretty straightforward um and you can play a game where it's pretty complicated but it doesn't look good or they aren't the atmosphere isn't right when they get it all right it's really captivating no matter what type of game it is um so i don't know those are some ex- examples of immersive video mm-hmm. game worlds um uh what about uh some innovative innovative video game mechanics or gameplay features that you appreciate uh and how have they uh, enhanced the gaming experience? Can you think of any for this?
1: Um, yeah, I have one example because it's actually kind of in the opposite way of that. It's one that when it first came out, I was it was very cool. But now it's kind of been overdone and is, kind, and is now in games where it doesn't necessarily make sense so in Arkham Asylum, in the first one, you get it introduced what they call detective mode, in which you know Batman has a different uh you know he can view stuff in a different sort of way, so he can like see heat and like you know he can see where like hidden doors are and shit like that. And you know, it made sense in the game in the Batman games because he is detective, and the whole thing is that he has all these crazy gadgets. So it made sense in that bat in that game. And then you know, you kind of see it, and then you know, it's in Spider Man, but it's you know, Spider senses, but it's like okay, but that doesn't necessarily like what? Wh- how does Spider Man just randomly know where like? no places to hide are i don't think that's what spider sex was exactly but okay sure or it's in other games like it's in horizon too, to a point where like it's kind of annoying because you you'll click it and then it'll just show you every possible thing that you can like climb on and then it's just kind of like well you know that kind of ruins i don't know it's kind of overdone now even in it's they have it in the assassin's creed game which is like okay well that doesn't make any sense whatsoever how can i see through walls like this, i don't know if, if something they have, they, that they have, they have it in the first,
0: hitman and like a bunch of other stuff that where it's like yeah, yeah it's it's kind of overused now i see what you're saying
1: yeah 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 um, yeah I'm sure there's plenty of more examples, but you generally see it sort of in a lot of more recent like action adventure games that have like an open world sort of thing, um but yeah, anything that's sort of in that realm of the Batman Arkham games where they have a detective mode kind of over that, I wish they could like I mean, I don't know, it yeah, it's just. It, So many games are now built around having that mechanic involved that it's just like, okay, I remember games distinctively before this ever happening. So, but yeah, that's one. uh, uh, That's all you you got. I got, I got, I I have. Yeah, that's all I have. Well,
0: I have a couple. I mean, one of them is a hardware thing that I like. Um, I just love the fact that they are able to um, now. Uh, because of surround sound and because of headphone technology getting as good as it is that the 3d audio is a thing um i really yeah. i like 3d audio i think it makes mm-hmm. the whole experience way more immersive um whether it's playing battlefield or you know playing a single player story game um you know it it can greatly affect you know sound is a Part of video gaming now. It used to be that sound was just, you know, one kind of aspect of it, but not necessarily the, yeah. you know, something that is so important for bringing you into the gaming world, which goes back to our last question about, you know, Im- immersive video game world, sound design. And that's something you said with mm-hmm. Dead Space that the sound design was horrifying. Uh, and, 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 uh, uh, alien isolation is another example, great sound Mm -hmm. design, uh, and having the ability to wear these, these headphones or have sound systems that, uh, can articulate those, that space and make you feel like you're in it, um, with 3d audio is chef's kiss. Um, but then on top of that, I mean, one thing that I think is on the Nintendo side that really changed the game was their, um, the Wii remote and the motion, uh, you know, integrating motion, um, into the controller, uh, which gave a really unique experience for people who played, um, Nintendo Wii or switch or anything, you know, you, you can play these games where you, your motion, um, affects how it's being played and that's been recreated to some degree with the playstation and xbox and all that uh but really they took that from vr and uh and yeah and i mean it's developed quite a quite a ways now um but uh i think that that was super cool i remember playing wii sports and you know uh um it added a level of gaming experience that uh, wasn't there before. I think it was super Mm -hmm. um, innovative. I mean, of course, I love the fact that in-game physics have developed. I love the fact that, that the games have become uh, larger so they can support these uh, immersive worlds. A lot of the stuff that they've added to open world gaming has been really cool uh customization all of the all of the basic just improvements in game gaming mm-hmm. and game development and game playing have been awesome um but you know with that comes the example of what you gave where it's like they had this detective mode and then that was cloned across all these things that maybe didn't need it um yeah and uh and became kind of an overused Uh, part of uh of of gaming and and you know another thing that i like uh which some people might have a problem with i actually don't mind quick time events
1: but that that's probably neither neither
0: do i that's probably because i like the kind of playable movies or playable
1: Mm -hmm. i love the uncharted games which they did i think did them perfectly and like the early uh, god of war games had lots of QuickTime events yeah, so, I like
0: Yeah, I I'm I like them. Yeah, I like them too. I mean, Plus I don't they're think They're done right. I, yeah, if they're done right. And I don't and I don't think that like I I guess the answer cuz the question is which do we appreciate? I appreciate them when they're done right. Uh Yeah. And uh and and I, I like the fact that it gives some like I'm thinking of games like Until Dark or The Quarry or the or the, uh-huh. the 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 um, Dark Pictures Anthology or or detroit become human that it gives you a kind of low impact ability in the game to react so it gives you this immediacy with the character where you feel oh my god i have to get this right and if i miss it oh dang i have to do it again you know and it and it or it affects the story it changes what the outcome of the story is if you don't pick up this thing or you don't uh, duck under this tree branch or whatever and it seems kind of mundane or maybe even lazy but now you have games like the quarry where missing one of those could drastically alter the outcome of the game and so Mm -hmm. there's kind of like a reason that you want to be on your toes and trying to make the right choice um and uh and and trying to get the quick time event right or whatever yada 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 so i like i think if it's done right i appreciate it let's move over to music now yeah um and uh and we'll try to we'll try to fly through these a little bit here cuz uh our our clock is running down a little bit but um what are yeah. some of your favorite or underrated or underappreciated music genres or subgenres and what makes them unique or special
1: uh i think my most on what i would say especially now like it doesn't have really any mainstream representation I love jazz music. I always have loved jazz music. I just like I just like the free form of it. I like improvisation. I like the idea of a band playing together and trying to do something in the moment. Um so like I like listening to like a lot of live jazz stuff and a lot of it's like older stuff um you know a lot more like bebop stuff and then you know getting in and then I also do like like you know studio recorded like acid jazz stuff stuff that's just very experimental like stuff from like 60s and 70s as well, and you know I just feel like you know there's not a whole lot of uh, jazz stuff around like there is in ways like um you know Kendrick when he did to pimp butterfly there's kind of a resurgence of it you know people you know Thundercat got really big and he's obviously you know, his sort of weird, what if jazz was also anime kind of deal. Um, you know, Tyler, the creator, very much has a jazz sort of influence in his music. And, you know, and you know, you've seen that also kind of permeate as well. Like, you know, Bad, Bad, Not Good becoming popular. Uh, Kamasi Washington became super popular, which I think, you know, he did a lot of saxophone stuff on the Kendrick album. And then there's recently like uh, JD, Domi Beck, like uh, they're pretty cool. But, you know, outside of that, like, you know, I it's like, I don't know any current like horn players or like anything. Like, I don't know. It's not something, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not in that world, but it, I just, you know, I feel like I feel maybe it is there and I'm just not uh, seeing it. And, you know, if anyone has any suggestions, please, I would love to hear uh, some stuff. Uh, but yeah, no, that's a genre I always revisit and, you know, sort of go in and out of and I, yeah, I feel like it's has pretty underappreciated, but then again, at the same time, as I mentioned, there are some artists that are doing quite well that are jazz musicians. So, um, I don't know. I yeah, shout out jazz. I, yeah, I don't No, know. it's a great answer. I think <laughs> jazz
0: and blues are are becoming underrepresented in the mainstream because hip yeah. hop's the biggest genre in the world right now. The only time you're being you're kind of it's being appreciated is when it's sampled on a on a mainstream level. I think for me yeah. um and this is going to sound crazy coming from me because I hate modern country music. But mm-hmm. and I feel like this was done by modern the modernization of country music and the kind of creation of hip hop and uh, sorry, is that offensive? I don't know. Um, and uh, and kind of like the fl- Florida Georgia lineification of everything. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: The, the red truckification. Yeah,
0: of... the 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 uh, you know beer for my horsesification of everything. Um, I think, but but old country like Americana roots rock is yeah, it slams, and I think it's underappreciated <laughs> by a lot of people who are currently uh uh listening to to music maybe not necessarily older people but people in our generation where it's like you need to go mm-hmm. back and listen to some of this stuff because even though it's country it's not the kind of packaged commercialized you know red solo cup country it's like it's like kind of like blues rock country and it it just rips and even further back than or even further back than that when you get into like real americana and like where kind of the convergence of of you get into kind of like the old old soul and gospel singers that have that country twang that that came out of and the white man took it um uh yeah. and then on top of that also in that same realm i feel like motown music is is kind of getting lost uh and if you if you if you have not go and listen to some you know Stevie Wonder. You know, like go and listen mm-hmm. to because it's excellent.
1: It's yeah. Excellent. Go to church. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> go go to church. Um, So those are some genres that I feel like maybe are getting like not as much shine as they should. Mostly because mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's carrying that torch. There are some people like like Bruno Mars, Twenty Four Carat Magic, heavily influenced by the Motown sound. Um, yeah, and kind of the R and B soul of the time. Uh, and and it did really well because there's just an infectiousness in that kind of music i mean start your day listening That's to a- superstitious by 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 stevie wonder and i guarantee you you will have a fantastic start of your day like that yeah that song is just ooh, it's like lightning in a bottle you gotta just Oh God. Anyway. um, Mm -hmm. So those are some things, some genres that maybe I feel are underappreciated or underrepresented or maybe underrated by people who are our age or younger. And, uh, and I would definitely recommend you check them out because there's some real good stuff there. I'm not going to start naming off artists. Just look it up.
1: Yeah, well, wasn't that like what the whole Silk Sonic, like the Bruno Mars Anderson mm. Pack album was? It's just kind of like a throwback to like yes, the horniness of that. the 60s yes, and yeah, 70s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mad horny. Okay. Yeah. Mad horny.
0: Mm-hmm. But even like Marvin Gaye, like, yeah. There's just so much. Al Green. Al Green, like, oh, ooh, wee. Um, you know. Oh, I mean,
1: then you can go with James he, Brown and stuff. And even then, early like, you Jackson know, like, Five, like. Oh, yeah. And dad, then
0: around that time where you're getting a little bit of disco influence and stuff like there's just some smackers. Uh, so absolutely. I would, I would definitely recommend going back and taking a look at some of that because it's great music to put on at a party. It's great to listen to at home uh, by yourself to cheer, just to lift yourself up. But it's also very musical. I mean, you have to think at that time they didn't have the pro tools. They didn't have all this. So these are people laying it down, bro. Laying it the fuck down. It's so sick.
1: Absolutely, dude. Um, Very
0: good. Yeah, so that was... Those are two examples. Um, what are some music artists or bands that are do, doing really cool things right now? And what makes their music stand out to you? This question we could go on forever. So let's just try and pick like one or two each. because.
1: Okay. Cool. Um, uh, I mean... Okay. Uh... Two, okay, I'll go with these two. Um, so, one, uh, the band Drain. Uh, I just really like them. We've mentioned them in, I think, the like, last episode or previous one before that. Um, yeah, just sick. They're just California hardcore, but r- just really fun. Uh, if you see, if you watch like any of their live performances on YouTube, it's just, it's just good times, just positive energy. And uh, yeah, they just, It's just sort of a really cool throwback sound that I just, I really like what they're doing. And there's sort of like a a renaissance of just really good hardcore. Also the the band Spy, their album just came out today. They're also really sick. And then um, just uh, another guy that we've talked about uh, a lot recently, uh, but just a dude that's just in his absolutely own lane just seems like real as fuck and i'm glad that he's finally getting his flowers larry june um yeah just i love just seeing larry june just uh just Good doing job, well man. i mean his appearance on the recent episode of that's delicious was fantastic um Numbers. yeah I, I hope uh yeah the <laughs> fact that he just says his ad libs in everyday life it blows my mind well, yeah and he was, the, he's he, just authentically just chill as fuck Yeah,
0: he was on he was on. um uh they did like a thing on uh this hip hop po- podcast I listened to new Rory and Maul, and Alchemist and Larry yeah. June were one of the guests and they went go-karting. And <laughs> I forget what mall said. He said something and Larry June's just in the back. He goes, Good job, Maul. And it's the funniest thing he's just like <laughs> so he's he's so and he's walking around, he's like, Oh yeah, just drinking tea. So organic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> numbers baby numbers doing numbers i love it it. um yeah larry june hell yeah
1: love that guy absolutely
0: and he's a fantastic rapper jesus christ he's so good
1: yeah yeah absolutely yeah the music speaks for itself but uh just him as a person is all he's just seems like just a real ass dude and uh just happy to see him uh getting a bit of shine right now so yeah
0: both great great uh uh great suggestions um, mine is uh going to be um in the realm of electronic music. I just and I know we've gushed about it and talked about it in the bird report and all this different stuff, but man, um, Fred again is just on his own in his own lane in his own world and making all kinds of cool stuff from kind of slow burn ambient um uh very introspective music that he the the album that he released with brian eno uh earlier this year i believe it's called um i think it's called still life but i do your secret life secret life uh to any of his uh actual they're called the actual life uh um uh albums that he's dropped over the past however many years mm-hmm. um Actual life one, two, and three, all of them are just a mix of kind of emotional, beautiful electronic music. And then there's some songs that are just like make you want to dance and make you feel like, feel this energy. And, and, and still he's an amazing musician. If you watch his tiny desk, he manages to recreate a bunch of his songs using kind of like found sound and like smacking the table and looping it as a kick and like it's so cool and uh and he incorporates bits of his like friends uh voicemail messages or videos they send him or and he collaborates on a lot of songs with other artists he writes he produces all of the tracks he's just it's just very very cool stuff and uh you know I only found out about him really last year and my appreciation has grown greatly and the 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 secret life that he did with Brian Eno is just like this very like ambient emotional just really really cool record just it's worth checking out if you're into electronic music um and this isn't for any 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 real person in general but more of a uh you know i could list a few but it's just the general motion of the of the genre towards it but i love the fact that we're getting some rappers that are really interested in adding melody to mm-hmm. their music whether it's like full blown kind of bringing in that soul RB motown whatever sound uh uh or or you know jazzy sounds like someone like kamau or or if it's, you know, people like um uh uh not the what's love for rent? Is that Smino? It's a great right Hold on, I gotta find out who it is. Love for yeah, Smino, Smino's album Love for Rent, the incorporation of melody into what he's doing and and just the song writing aspect of it. Even Kendrick Lamar's Big Steppers, Mr. Morell and the Big Steppers, the introduction of like Actual kind of like musicianship in the production, which is something he's always had, but in that song, it's like dialed. Or in that album, it's like dialed to ten. This whole kind of like songwritingification of rap, and adding melodies and adding, you know, repeating, kind of themes, the like sound themes, you know, uh, audio mm-hmm. themes, and 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 interesting songwriting and interesting. You know, flows and just in general that kind of move that's happening for a large portion of hip hop I love it just keep doing it yeah. I, I grew up listening to one of the most melodic hip hop artists of all time we talked about him on an episode 50 Cent and that's what he mm-hmm. did to change the whole thing up like 50 Cent kind of sing talks and nobody yeah. really was doing that I mean, he was that gangster way before. too. but he's gangster too and it like yeah. it was like a, he was like the king of the hook for a while you know, like he was going crazy. And and even in his songs, if you listen to them and actually listen to them, he is creating melodies with his words. He's not necessarily singing, but there's this melodic nature to the things that he's doing, even though he's threatening someone or or you know, mm-hmm. talking about how he's going to build his uh pimping empire uh but it's still it still has this melodic quality to it and i love that and we we moved away from that a little bit and especially in the era of the fast rapping where people you know it's it 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 kind of got taken away you can take your time with it and play with the sounds and you know create kind of melodies or or repeating motifs or whatever and i love Mm -hmm. the fact that that's coming back and it's coming back kind of across the board you've seen it in people like chance you've seen it in smino kendrick um you know even even people like anderson anderson pock like you know what i mean so just love it i love the fact that that yeah it's uh, is uh is happening and uh and I know that it's not like an artist or a band, but I just think it's super cool. And I think that it is something that is making music stand out to me when I find artists that are doing that. Um, uh, even like West, West Side Boogie uh, um, and his album, No More, or More Black Superheroes. What is it? Uh, uh, West Side. Oh my goodness. West Side Boogie, his last album was called uh, More Black Superheroes really really cool stuff he's doing with his voice tones sounds ideas good good stuff anyway um let's go to the last question what are some albums you consider to be timeless classics both retro and modern and why do you think that they continue to resonate with audiences um so one
1: i thought of uh specifically um Just, I was talking to somebody, I don't know, like a month or two ago at a bar about this album and how I think this is perhaps one of the most influential albums in the sort of mainstream punk, pop punk, emo, post-hardcore genre, but the untitled album by Blink-182 I think was probably about 10-15 years ahead of its time. Uh. I think, you know, if you listen to a lot of what emo music that came out, you know, in the 2010s was directly from that uh era era and um yeah, I think cuz that album it kind of it combined everything that made blink-182 to great, like catchy songs, big choruses, extremely Good production, interesting um, rhythms and stuff, and then you know, you know, Blink having Tom and Mark to be able to you know go back and forth uh, created that one. You know, like feeling this and like I miss you are probably like two of their more iconic songs that have that feature both of them on vocals. And, yeah, I just think, like, stuff like that, that lent way to, like, you know, bands like The Used, My Chemical Romance becoming really popular because it was a darker album, you know? And then, you know, obviously, you saw next year, like, the year after that, you saw Green Day. They came out with American Idiot. They decided to go fully, you know, mature or whatever. But I think that album, you know, definitely was a huge influence for a lot of alternative emo pop punk music that came out years later um because you know obviously there was the direct wave of bands that you know were directly ripping off that sort of dude ranch and enema of the state sound like you know that's exactly why bands like uh um some 41 you know all american rejects and you know that whole pop punk blow up in the late 90s uh early 2000s good charlotte you know there's there's countless amounts but then you sort of saw the small slowing effect of like stuff like and then you know more bands started then like referencing being like oh yeah no we love that untitled record we also love stuff like brand new and you know taking back sunday which was you know on more on the darker side of the sort of punk mainstream punk scale but um yeah uh for yeah an album that i think was hugely influential that would be my one for like a like i guess one where you've seen the directly have seen the influence you know when it happened at the time and how it's still 20 years later Still being influential, and I think that's probably just on my mind because I saw Blink recently, and I was like, "Yeah, this band's crazy. Like, this band is immensely like influential and popular. And yeah. you know, people love to hate on Blink, but it's like, I don't know, it, it's there. Like, it's undeniable. Yeah, numbers honestly. don't so,
0: lie, stats don't lie, buddy. Yeah. Um, you know, this question I I pondered for a long time because it's like I listen to so much different music, and there are so many albums that I would consider classics. Uh, And then, and then there are also a whole other section of albums that are considered classic that, you know, I would agree, but they're not like my classics, you know what I mean? And, uh, and I think that it's, it's so interesting. And I love the fact that you brought up this kind of the influence or the legacy of the album and how it has sat and how it has aged and what it is, what it is done. Uh, And I think you know uh, an example of that in 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 the modern time would be um uh for for me uh in in hip hop would be good kid mad city like mm-hmm. that was yeah. 10 years ago that that came out and it's the after effects of it are still being felt um and just the fact that you had dre and k dot and hitting at the right time in in very unique and different ways i mean i remember the first time i heard backseat backseat freestyle and i was like yes. this is different this boy game changer different and i was mm-hmm. like what is happening or like money trees or any of this like that you know is, is that the album with sing of me i'm dying of thirst i think so yes um just yes. just there's so much variety on there and it and it's its impact and influence can cannot be understated, and I think that that's you know that that's kind of a marker of of a classic now, whether it's a classic that's accepted by everybody as a classic or it's a classic that's kind of accepted by people who understand or or pay more attention to music is are two different things I would say blink one eighty two's untitled or self titled whatever it is. And Good Kid Mad City are both examples of things that were commercially popular, but also have huge longevity and influence. But then there are Mm -hmm. albums that, like, people only a small subset of people listen to, and they're like, this is a masterpiece, this is a classic. And it's like, only only if you really know about it, do you believe that. And an an example I know,
1: I have a pick. Okay. An
0: example of that for me would be Great Lakes by the Gorgeous which is nice. Nobody really knows about that band (laughs) outside of like people who lived in Ontario for a select part of like people who lived in BC and Ontario for like a select like year Mm -hmm. while they were still a band before they all broke up because they were all (laughs) crazy like the vocalist was like nuts. Um, But as far as like Canadian hardcore goes, uh, a lot of the things that they did in that band were really interesting. The, scales that they used the kind of songwriting that they used the in the kind of his vocal the vocal stylings of the vocalist were very different um and there was some a lot of like clean vocals thrown in there but they weren't over processed very raw the, the the drum set used was very minimal the kind of content and lyrical stuff was was very very visceral introspective commentary on themselves and on society and it's just a genuinely canadian release and a lot of the band members mm-hmm. were indigenous people um and they incorporated that in their art it's to me great lakes is like if you like metalcore hardcore heavy music and you you are and you you haven't heard them listen to this album they only dropped that album in one single and still to me miles ahead from a bunch of other people uh at that time and and just in general and I don't think they ever I mean they were signed to distort they 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 were on the way up but it wasn't they never reached that level where you know everybody I knew loved them. Well, everybody I knew loved them because we were all into that music, but like, it wasn't like, uh, you know, like an Alexis on fire or a cancer back. Yeah. Where
1: there was crossover. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's, it's, they, they, they were very much just, it's like a hidden gem. And to further prove that point, I played the album great lakes in my car while I was traveling with, uh, 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 Cody up in my cottage and I I didn't mm-hmm. realize it was in the CD player. I just pressed play, and I thought it was a hip hop mixtape that I had, but it was Great Lakes. And I was going to turn it off, and he goes, "No, no, 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 no! What is this?" And I was like, "It's the Gorgeous. They're a band from BC and Ontario. They were active in the, you know, mid to late two thousands. They broke up, you know. Mm. And we listened to the whole album, and he was like, "This is some of the most insane shit I've ever heard. This rules." And I was like, yeah, man. And the thing is that it's not too technical. It's not too abrasive. It's not too crazy. There's a lot of melody. There's a lot of cool arpeggios and like slow parts and washed out sounds. And then all of a sudden they come back. It's really raw. It's, I think, mixed that way to sound kind of not polished. And it just rips. It's Mm -hmm. so good. Sorry. That was my gush about the gorgeous. But that's an example of kind of like a sleeper classic. That maybe it's just to me, but I think it's a classic. I'm sure there are other people that think mm-hmm. it too. But it's only people who are like in the know of it. So what's yours?
1: Uh the one that immediately pops in my head as soon as you said that. I, ironically, also Canadian release, Canadian artist, uh Shad, his album T S O L, uh Front the Back, one of the best hip-hop records out there. Uh, Shad. Just, yeah,
0: Shad. Yeah, Shad. Sorry, you broke yeah. you, you you it kind of there was a sound in the background that sounded like you said Chad. And I just wanted to clarify yeah. for listeners. Shad. Yeah. S-H-A-D. Yeah, Shad.
1: Shad. 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 His album, T-S-O-L. Fantastic. Like, so many good songs on it. Yeah, I get it. Uh, Rose Garden. Uh, uh, good Name. Um, Telephone. Yeah, there's so many good songs on the album, front to back. And like, That was also because that album just hit me at a time specifically when I was like, you know, really into my sort of like, I don't know, sort of like, I guess, backpack rap. I don't know what it I don't know what it was called, what you would have called it at the time. But like, you know, early Kanye, common, dilated peoples, that that sort of wave. Like, uh, you know what I'm talking about there? uh, Lupe fiasco. There was like a specific, I guess, what you call conscious conscious rap. conscious rap boom that happened. Sorry. yeah, mid 2000s. Yeah, yeah. So that was like peak and I think Shad was like the Canadian answer for that. Um and yeah, I think he just nailed it. I mean, Shad's like a legend in the Canadian hip hop scene and just the music scene in general. What he does for uh highlighting Canadian artists is also just like he, he wildly important. Like uh he took over the Q radio show and then also the documentary he did about hip hop um
0: hip hop evolution.
1: Yes, um, yeah, no, he's just, uh, and that album, I mean, all his albums are fantastic, but that one, it just, that one hit me, I think it came out like, 2007, 2008, so, like, I was in, like, grade 9 or 10, and it just, like, it just banged, and it was so different because everyone was like, oh, you know, that that's when Lil Wayne was literally the king of the universe, and, like, yeah. to hear something that was the complete opposite of that, and be like, you know, he was all the songs are super introspective. You know, he's not cursing. He's, uh, you know, it's not rapping about guns, drugs, or whatever. And, you know, nothing against nothing against that stuff. Like, that stuff is very much part we of pop culture.
0: We listen to Griselda. <laughs> you don't have to worry.
1: We, yeah, <laughs> I love Griselda. But, um, yeah, no, it was just nice to hear that album at that time. And it's an album I always go back to. And I'm just like, fuck, man. I don't know how more people don't bang this album on, like, the regular because it's so good yeah so so good
0: another one another canadian one that i do want to shout out that i feel like is a master class now it might not be a classic to everybody but to me it was uh and it still will forever be marauding in paradise jazz cartier from toronto uh soundtrack to my early uh mid to i guess my mid-20s uh absolute smacker uh, so if you like toronto hip-hop um and you want something that uh is is very definitive and and exhibits kind of the toronto aesthetic and ideologies and stuff uh uh the kind of toronto i don't say hipster because it's not hipster but the kind of i don't Mm -hmm. know just listen to it and you'll find it it's really good it's it's very much of a a really really great canadian hip-hop release um let's fire through Uh, the last one let's Go quick. Do we have time? Yeah, we can go. We got seven ten. Yeah, we got time. Don't worry. Um, All right. right. So, what are some some what are some of the most satisfying TV show endings that tied up the storylines in a fulfilling way? Let's just say one each. I got mine. Do you got yours? Okay. All right. What's yours? All
1: right. Yeah, I got my top one: Breaking Bad Uh, ending perfectly. I mean, if you haven't fucking seen Breaking Bad by now, fuck yourself. Okay. Here's the ending: Walt dies. And Jesse gets away, and Jesse is finally fucking free of all this horse shit. And, you know, this, the person that's been fucking haunting him for since, for, what is Breaking Breaking Bad takes place over, like, the course of, like, a year and a half. So, like, the craziest year and a half ever. Um, but, yeah, no, that's... That show wraps it up perfectly. There was no need for that sequel movie, El Camino, that was completely unnecessary. Although it is okay, I don't think it was necessary. It didn't add anything. And uh, yeah, I think that was just a cash-in. But no, the story ends perfectly within the five seasons that exists. I mean, I'm sure with what they do with Better Call Saul is fantastic. I haven't seen all of Better Call Saul, but I'm not sure how much it actually goes into Breaking Bad, but Breaking Bad on its own, perfect. Ends fantastic.
0: Great example. An example for me would be a TV show that I love dearly, and I think it ends perfectly as well, would be uh, FX's show Justified. Um, They really brought it home at the end and kind of ended out the story that was created in the first season, this overarching rivalry, uh, overarching, sorry, rivalry between uh, Raylan Givens and Boyd Crowder and the last scene is that uh, well they're not the last scene but it's either the last scene or it's the second last scene but it's at the end of the final sh- episode of the, the series uh, Boyd is finally in jail Raylan goes to visit him and they have a discussion about their their kind of frenemies rivalry that they've had forever and then the whole thing started with them when they first introduced him as That, you know, they knew each other when they were kids. They, they dug coal together. Uh, And they're saying, you know, Raylan is saying, you know, for all the things you've done, I should absolutely hate you. And, you know, there are times where I should have taken you out and all stuff. And then he says, but at the end of the day, and they both say we dug coal together and they just look at each other through the glass. And it's like brilliant, fucking amazing. And it's just like, yes, you understood the assignment. That through all of these mm-hmm. episodic series and all these characters that we brought in, it was really about their relationship and how they are kind of the antithesis of one another. And it just, it, Boyd could never kill Raylan. Raylan could never kill Boyd. And this is where they were ultimately going to end up. Raylan's still doing his job. Boyd is in jail. And, and the balance is. You know, <laughs> it exists. Okay. Everything is balanced as it should, and there's some other stuff about other, you know, some of the other characters and stuff like that. But I just think, uh, you know, especially being being based on like an Elmore Leonard Le, Elmore Leonard short story, and and kind of the uh kind of working class American reverence he has for that to kind of be the thing that it uh, that it ends on is so smartly done uh and so you know thoughtful towards the original short story that was adapted because boyd was never supposed to survive but then he became a recurring character and then the the you know and walton goggins plays the shit out of him um so i love it if you love westerns crime shows you haven't watched justified there is a new uh justified the city primeval that's coming out with a uh, timothy olifant uh, timothy Oliphant is coming back oily fant um and the the An new oily fan the new bad guys is, is boyd holbrook and i'm i'm so in on it hopefully it doesn't suck but that justified show it it stays at a high level throughout the whole time and the ending is just great for me um what are some of the best show theme songs or opening sequences that instantly get you in the mood for the show? Well, you know, there okay. there are so many. I mean, we could go on the basics: The Simpsons, Futurama, even yeah. even Family Guy. Um, the the True Detective intro for the first season.
1: Yo, yeah. um, <laughs> I mean, there's so many. The X Files oh, the classic yeah, theme yeah. song. Uh um the whole the uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, how the title sequence is usually a joke. The way yeah. it cuts to the title of the episode is usually a punchline. That's genius. Um, I think I mean Secession is has one of the tightest uh theme songs. It's so good that Pusha T had the rap on it. That's how hard it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even uh, Game
0: this, of Thrones. Game of Thrones too. That that theme song yeah. was embedded in people's brains mm-hmm. for
1: a long time. Yeah. I, um, but the goat has got to be the Sopranos. Like, the, like just Tony's like just the whole sequence. Like, you know, woke up this morning and got yourself a gun. I mean, the whole song and just Tony driving through New Jersey and then him pulling into the house. It's just uh just the most perfect theme song, I think, and opening uh sequence. Um but yeah, no, the ones you mentioned, like The Simpsons and Futurama are also classics for the included gags, like the visual gags, yeah, yeah. um and stuff, like uh yeah, I, they I always just, have I, something different.
0: I think there was a period of time where there were a lot of these adult animated shows, even kids shows like in the 90s and, and like two, 2000s. They were just ripping those intros out. Like even the cartoons, the X-Men, the 90s X-Men intro. The oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sick. Um, or the Spider-Man uh one, which is like,
1: a yeah. whack the Spider-Man or the yeah. Batman, the animated series theme. Incredible, hard. Incredible. Um, uh, and we, yeah, there's there's crazy ones. Yeah. And we the seen, office, the yeah, office, office theme song in the, yep. the American version. That was sick. What was even sicker was when Devil we're, the, the Devil Wars Prada would use that as their intro song, and they would go into a breakdown that they later then used as an actual song. Very tight. Love that. (laughs) Mm.
0: There's just a, Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good ones. We don't have to, we don't have to ruminate on it because we are running out of time here. The last question is what are some underrated or underappreciated TV shows you think deserve more recognition? Is there anything that you had written down for this?
1: Um, the one I wrote down just because it is, uh, recent, um, Uh, I wrote down Barry uh, just because I think… Especially, it had its finale the same night as Secession, and I think it was greatly overshadowed by Secession, which also had a perfect ending. Secession's ending was perfect. Um, Barry also had a perfect ending as well. I think in that it works so well in doing everything that it wanted to do. Of that, you know, it's a satire of Hollywood. It's sort of a satire of people's lust for violence in television shows and in their entertainment and just the way it wrapped up the series did it so well that last season (laughs) so many interesting things but um it really just shows how much of a master bill Hader is at like dark comedy he really understands the line that you have to tiptoe to be such a good satire while also being good at what you are because like you know, it's the Hollywood show about, you know, about the ridiculousness and absurdity of Hollywood while also being absurd, but, you know, is never, you know, it's it, it all, it's always on point with what it's doing. And I think that show was just fantastic. It's one that I want to restart again. And then uh, the other obvious one that I think of all the time of Because it still amazes me that that show ever even got made. It still, it was fucking Hannibal. I don't know what, I don't know who Brian Fuller caught on the day he pitched that to fucking CBS. And they're like, okay, so it's going to be extremely gory, violent, dark cannibalism. Yeah, you can have 8 p.m. on Wednesday. Like, I don't know who the fuck approved that, but that was one of the ballsiest things ever. And I'm so happy that show exists. And I there's constantly rumors about it possibly coming back. And you know what? I hope it it would be nice to see it. Uh, just so they could actually do the silence of the lamb storyline. That would be very cool. Um, but yeah, that that yeah, that's those one. are those are
0: great examples. I mean, yeah. Hannibal was in mine. Uh, um, another yeah, show. Yeah, we did a whole episode about it. We did a whole it, episode, so, yeah. so you <laughs> can go back and listen to it. Hannibal is a great show that I feel like is a little bit underappreciated. Um, another show that I feel like is a little bit underappreciated or maybe just didn't hit the mark. There was a TV show called The River that was out for a while. It was one season. It was about these people that are in the Amazon. He's looking for his dad. It's like a supernatural kind of brain, brain twisty show um the, and the first season as i remember it is really good it's just one of the things that popped up in my head i mean i think that there's a lot of things that are um th- this question would have been easier when streaming didn't exist cuz i think now a lot mm-hmm. of people are finding things that they may have heard about in passing and and watching them and also the quality yeah. of tv has gotten a lot better so mm-hmm. you know and it's it, i it, there's um uh and there's been so many different shows but Hannibal was the, my main which you you hit it that I think Hannibal is yeah. Hannibal I wish they would finish it uh and and it's so good like specifically the first I think that there's three seasons the first two seasons are like yeah. firing on all, all cylinders <laughs> um mm-hmm. and and just really really sick um and uh, and also just a, a weird one and this might be just you and i who feel this way but maybe you guys yeah. should go back and rewatch season 2 of true detective i just i feel like yeah i feel like people need i feel like it's one of those things where like it it's it, it, the first season is so good it's like perfect and then the second season came and there were such high expectations and it It didn't meet those expectations and people didn't really get it. And I think it, it it just didn't, it didn't captivate the way the first one did, but I went back and rewatched it recently and it's not as bad. And even when it was out, we said, well, it's not as good as the first season, but it's not, it's not bad. But people were talking about it. Like that show did a they broke into their house at night and tied them up and was like, I'm going to yeah. hurt you. Like people were like, this is the- so bad. And I'm like,
1: yeah, there's yeah, they two- acted like Nick Pizzolatto, like personally <laughs> did the strangers to like them. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, um,
0: and so yeah. I would recommend going back and watching it again. Cause even though it is, I don't think as good in quality as the first season and the third season. Um, mm. I don't think it's that far behind the third season. And I think that now that some time has passed and you understand that True Detective is not one overarching story, but kind of each season season focuses on a different aspect of crime and a different aspect of criminal and and detective, that you can mm-hmm. reframe that and watch that and be like, oh, this is actually not as bad as, <coughs> excuse me, I thought it was going to be. <coughs> but, you know, some people, they get their mind made up by critics on the internet so i don't know uh but there was a huge backlash to that show and i didn't really understand how, why the backlash was so strong i thought that it was still good tv filmmaking and even though it was a little bit messier and there were a couple of roles that you know i felt like the actors could have been replaced with someone else and it would have been a bit better but uh, okay. you know overall it's still there's some really really gnarly stuff in that season and um i think that Colin Farrell and um, Vince Vaughn are great in that season. Mm-hmm. Uh, just monstrous performances. So I don't know, maybe go back and check it out. Maybe I'm wrong. If you think I'm wrong, let us know. We're at the end of the episode today. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll remind you guys. Well, first, thanks for listening and and thanks for rocking with yeah. us. If you want to get uh, in contact with us, there's going to be a, uh, a little thing underneath on Spotify where you can, uh, you know, Send in something if you have some, uh, uh, you know, thoughts, suggestions, uh, or you, you, have, you want to disagree or agree, um, or add your own voice to the conversation. You can also send us an email, at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on our social medias. I'm uh, at P-A-L-M-R-E-A-D-R. That's Palm Reader without the last E on Instagram. Where can they find mm-hmm. you?
1: Uh, you follow me on Instagram as well, uh, Otis Morris, dude. And then, um, if you are, if you're any listeners out there on the East Coast, specifically Nova Scotia area, um, I guess uh, Regicide and Snowblinded, both the movies I worked on in the previous years, are going on tour together as like a double feature, and the first uh, screenings are out on the East Coast in Amherst, Nova Scotia and those that's on or they're yeah they're showing on june 23rd and 24th and tickets are available now so if there's any east coast listeners that are in nova scotia uh check that out and uh, the boys, yeah yeah, I'll have more details as, you know, the movies make their way across. Um, like, you know, they'll I'm sure they'll be coming through Ontario. And, uh, you know, I'll let you know about those ones because I think, you know, we probably have more centralized listeners here in Ontario. But I uh, just figured I'd put that out there in case there are any people. Or if you just happen to be in Nova Scotia at the end of June, there are movies playing and you can go see them for $18.
0: Yeah, go check them out. Support the boy, as I said. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you have any thoughts on any of the questions, you have answers, you want to, uh, you know, you, you, you have some thoughts on any of the questions we asked, uh, don't hesitate to hit us up. If, uh, if your, your messages are interesting or your questions that you have for us or our additions that you have are interesting, we will read them on the next episode. Um, yeah. So this was the first winging it episode. Uh, we're giving it a try. Um, I think this was good because it gives me a couple, ideas on how to streamline this a little bit more. Um, and of course there will be other kind of other styles of winging it. Well, we'll do some top fives or whatever, some list episodes or, you know, but we're just trying to give you a little bit of variety in the content that we give you. Uh, and also getting a chance to talk about some of the things that maybe we, uh, wouldn't have normally if we're doing a kind of, Uh, a regular episode on one film or one game or whatever. Uh, And so hopefully you enjoyed uh, and we'll see you again next week. Remember to initiate the protocol and uh, we'll see you soon. Peace.
1: Peace out.